now that you speak of Ventrexia, the Daedric Prince of Nightmares, as if she is a, a schoolgirl to be chased. Ventrexia has liberated me from fear. I can walk through life, never worrying. And what would you call that, brother, if not the ultimate expression of love? We're getting really fucking self-indulgent with this one, baby. I'm setting the mood. How's it going, Amber? Beleaguered sigh. This is going to be a fantastic episode of the podcast. Hi, everyone. The podcast in question is original podcast. Do not steal a podcast where every week my dear friend Amber Autumn and I fucking fart into microphones for 40 minutes about your favorite intellectual properties. And at the end of it, we make an OC within that space. And today I'm going to be talking for a really goddamn long time about the AU I invented for our group's D&D campaign. So, um, Amber, before I do that, any thoughts about that sentence? Beleaguered sigh. Okay, so, so this is a D&D campaign that we did in high school, which, to be clear, is like fucking ten years ago now, when we were children. Um, when we were children in high school, I was a boy, Devin was a Republican, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria, and honestly... Deeply spiritually appropriate for this podcast. Like, this podcast is sort of just, like, an evolution of Devin and I in high school, neither of us being able to drive, living in a town where everything is far apart, neither of us being able to afford public transit, and therefore just, like, walking everywhere, like, going on hours-long walks to get from place to place in our in our sleepy little 100,000-person town. And on those walks, having really long talks about campaigns that we were in, and about the media that we liked, and, like, doing how we do, and talking about the, the texts and the way we'd read them and the way we would do them and all of those things. And and, and and this podcast is like, it's it's that, but like formalized, basically. And so this sort of is like, a, is, is very much a return to form. Um, and it's also like, like the, like the one thing that no one else listening to this could possibly have any prior knowledge of. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So where do I even begin? Here's where I begin. So... D&DAU is a bit of a catch-all term because it's not just the Genesea campaign we did, that means something to no one listening, but it is literally every campaign we did. What if all of these characters existed in a high school drama? Oh god, okay. So, to be clear about about the different campaigns that we played in high school that this would encompass. We had our we had our D&D 4th edition campaign that was like a very high fantasy we had a we had a Star Wars campaign with Star Wars characters. We had a DC superheroes campaign. Um, we did a Shadowrun campaign. We did a Pathfinder campaign that was a sequel to the D and D four E campaign set like a hundred years in its future. What else? Am I missing any? Am I missing any important ones? Pirates, which never got finished, but they feature yeah. in this AU. That makes sense. Yeah, um, I wasn't there for that one, but yeah, that was uh, that was one that 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 did occur. Yep. Ah, oh, where do I even begin? So, how it works in my brain is you follow each character's story for, like, an episode, and then they'll bump into each other through circumstance, and then the camera will, as they bump into each other, go from following guts to read. And then that's how you know it's a read episode today for the week. Very important, the finale all coalesces around prom, and the stakes, for the most part, are very low. Because Naturally. Because it's just a fun 
high school time. And sometimes I'm like, what if I got like really dark with it? I'm like, nah, it's just the high school drama. Lower stakes, very fun, very interpersonal relationships. And everything correlates around prom because prom is a very easy way to get all of your characters within the same room. And you can see them interact differently and how they've grown and changed or how they didn't grow and change and what all those stories mean. So I think I want to start with the lowest stakes ones and then work my way up. And also sure. real many... quick. Yeah, go for it. Um, uh, real quick. I do just want to highlight that you did just read off a character name that was Guts. And I do want to confirm that, yes, Devin's Pathfinder character was just Guts from Berserk wasn't the same character i i'm bad with names and there's a lot of parallels they are majoritively mopey monosyllabic men with big swords but they're different. the most critical thing is that devin gets really mad at me when i say that it's guts from berserk that's really the thing that you need to understand about the situation and another addendum is the characters I tend to focus on in this AU are my characters because, A, I'm a selfish, selfish boy doing a selfish podcast about my brain ideas. As you should. And B, it feels less weird because, like, I don't know, playing around with Jean in my head canon is like, I don't, like, Jean's not my character. Agent Asa isn't my character, but Seraphim's my character. I can do whatever I want with him, you know? Right, so you spend a lot of time with your characters. It makes sense. So starting at the lowest of low end of the stakes, you have the pirate campaigns, Gavin and Shelley. Anytime you follow their episodes, it's kind of like a stoner comedy. Very low stakes. It's literally just, can we get dates to prom? Because Gavin and Shelley's thing. A lot of this episode is going to be me talking about how they existed in campaigns. But Gavin and Shelley, Gavin's backstory is such in the original pirates thing. To long story short, he ended up being the captain of a pirate ship that was crewed by zombies for a ver for like his formative years, so he forgot how to people. And Shelly is a mermaid who also doesn't know how to be how to people. So Gavin and Shelly are like soulmates and made for each other because they're the only people in the world who could stand who could stand each other's bullshit. But it's not a romantic thing because Gavin's like a weird coward who's emotionally stunted, and Shelly's a lesbian. Good for her. Good for her. I want to talk about Shelly for a second because I love Shelly and that's that's Belle's character and doesn't listen to the podcast, but I still want to give some respect to the character. So the key defined heuristics for Shelly are that Shelly is a mermaid, right, who is very fascinated with humans and found the Bible one day and read it and assumed that it was correct and is a very religiously devout person, but also read somewhere that mermaids don't have souls. So she believes in the Bible and heaven and hell and is very highly critical of Gavin's sinful lifestyle, but also is not going to do anything to be a pious person because she doesn't think she has a soul and so it doesn't count. And she's also scared to death because if you don't have a soul, you go to purgatory and that's scary. I just want to throw that, that out scary. there because I like Shelley a lot. Not a lot of that plays into this AU. The one thing that does is that Shelley fundamentally doesn't understand humor. So like a Shelley joke will just be like, Gavin, the sky is purple. And then Gavin will go, Shelley, it's not fucking purple. And then Shelley will be rolling on the floor laughing because she doesn't get jokes. She doesn't. Because she doesn't understand. Humor. Yeah. Because it's. Yeah. How I play them in this is it's just two stoners trying to get dates for prom. And it is the realization of them being soulmates. And then Gavin's like, I don't want to date. Because Les, that's root. Oh, oh no! But then it also becomes because I made this shit up when I was in high school, right? But then it also becomes Shelley gets a date. Shelley gets a date to prom and Gavin doesn't, 
and it becomes less like, ah, I'm in love with my best lesbian friend. What if we did another shitty Kevin Smith movie? And more like the weird jealousy that arises when your friend gets an SO and they become less about you and you kind of lose them and you don't like that you're being selfish about it, but you are. Yeah. And so it all gets to correlate around prom when Gavin goes to prom to support Shelly and he's just like, hey man, you you go have the dance. I'll be fine. And he says that to Shelly and himself because he can finally admit, no, I will be fine if Shelly has a girlfriend and goes to prom. It's cool. I'm unironically happy for my friend. Let me go get fucking toasted in the bathroom and make stupid stoner jokes because it's a stoner comedy whenever they're sharing the screen. That's cute. Yeah. Speaking of stupid stoner comedy, you got Reed and Kato, baby! That's two Shadowrun characters? I don't, am, I the one, am I the one who's introducing the concept of these people? I was just taking a yawn. Sorry about that. Okay. I can't see it because it's not a... But so Reed and Kato are, yeah, they're from our Shadowrun campaign. And at first, I've brought this up on a previous episode. Remember the Commedia dell'arte episode? I do, I recall. Yeah, so Reed's whole thing is he just wants to get in with the popular crowd, and he's very Ed from Ed, Ed, and Eddie, where he comes up with, instead of get-rich-quick schemes, it's get-cool-quick schemes. And what it's... That's cute. That's cute. I like it. It's cute. Yeah, it's cute. And... What are... Do you have... Do you know any schemes? Have you thought of any out? Uh... Like, one where he fakes... Like, the party doesn't exist, but he makes up a party and, like, creates a whole social media account and like posters and shit for it and it becomes like a really hype thing and he's like oh my god i did it i made the party let me go in but he forgets to put himself on the list so like he goes to the party he created and he can't because he's not on the list oh but the thing here is like their story starts and kato's like should we think about college and reed's like i'm a fucking genius i don't need to think about college man let me take some adderall i have to this is our last chance we graduate this year i just want one memory where i'm a cool guy kato oh that's all i want and kato's like oh, all right and the twist is that kato in the background kind of already is a popular kid like kato in the original campaign is an orc and i play around with like light fantasy maybe reed has pointy elf ears and kato's kind of an orc and they're just in high school I can never fully decide on it, but yeah, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But since Kato's an orc, he's built like a fucking linebacker, and so he's literally a linebacker. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, and he hangs out with the cool kids, and the cool kids are just all of our characters from the Star Wars campaign. They don't get a lot to do, but we'll get to them when we get to them. And so, like, in the background, you'll see Kato's kind of cool with everyone already, and Reed isn't because he's too focused on trying to be instead of actually just being a cool guy. A lot of their story is comic relief, Reed trying and failing to get in with the cool kids. And eventually, since I set it up in the beginning, like, hey, should we think about college? It's like, Reed's fine, but Kato isn't because Kato's kind of stupid. And Reed's like, well, aren't you getting like a full ride on the football? And I said, well, I'm good, but I'm not that good. And it becomes about, oh, what if I help my brother? Like, and it's, I don't need to be a cool guy, but I can be cooler than my little big brother when they get to prom and they have the moment. And he's like, yeah, let me help you. Standardized testing isn't a legit metric for intelligence, you fucking idiot. I can teach you how to hack that. Let's let's do it, man. Let's let's go get you into a fucking college, little dumb baby brother. That's cute. That's cute. Yeah, I want... I, mostly when I enter this AU, it's like these characters who 
we made in high school, and some of them by design are shitty, and some of them are accidentally shitty. What if they had some, like, cute, fun, low-stakes high school adventures? Speaking of fun, low-stakes high school adventures, our Star Wars characters, would you like to talk about any of them before I go? Because you DM'd Star Wars. I sure did. I'm actually really proud of that campaign. It's one of my favorites that I've done in general in my life. So, like, so, so here's just a couple of random highlights. The one that Devin, or the one that Devin is going to want to talk about a lot is going to be his character, Fi, who is a Mandalorian, has, you know, got the mask and everything. There is Darth Ultio, who is a Wookiee, naturally, as you would expect a Sith Lord to be. Ultio got a lot to do in that franchise. There is Zid, the droid whose name is Zid and isn't that cute. There's, you know, the Gungan. There's Robert's character, the Gungan. And boy, what do I have to say about the Gungan, huh? Sometimes you just gotta punch the window. Gungan is, Gungan is Robert's character. You know Robert. Uh, you, you listened to that episode. You remember the Jack and Daxter episode. That should tell you just about everything that you need to know about Robert and that character. Who else was in that? Who else was in that campaign? There's there's Java the Jawa who goes squeak squeak money squeak, but then by the end of the campaign he has a character arc and he ends up going squeak squeak friends squeak. Um, and it's very cute to everyone. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. Honestly, it's genuinely actually very sweet and charming. Um, yeah, I don't know. Those are those are those are some of the basics of some of these characters. Yeah. So in my AU, I don't do a lot with them, and I'm always like, well, that campaign was super fucking good they don't need the spotlight here they just kind of exist in the background as cool characters highlights include on the beach episode they drive their jeep and their jeep is called sanctuary isn't that fun for us oh cute because that's the name of the ship that's the name of the that's the name of the of the ship or the star wars ship they all drive up on sanctuary to the beach and Fi just gets out and Ultio's like, I don't want to stay at the beach because I'm a hairy person who may be a wookie sometimes it's just a hairy kid and he's like yeah i'll figure out my way home and then he runs into Reed, and Reed's like, hey, can you swim? And Fi does, like, the hot guy take the shirt off scene. He's like, yeah, I'm Polynesian, brother. And you find out Fi is Polynesian, and that's just a fun fact. Yeah, all right, cool. And that episode is, uh, he has a cute little one-off episode where he gets to hang out with Adele, his wife. He, like, swims to this one spot, and he's like, oh, I was hoping you'd be here. And she's like, yeah, because we talked once last year. You swam out to the middle of the lake on that off chance I'd be here. And Fi's like, well, it worked, didn't it? And then they have a fun little one episode romance is an allusion to the fact that Fi is a happily married family man. Nerdlinger's part of the group and the app he's working on on his phone on his dumb tech startup is called Zid because I didn't know how else to get a robot in here. Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> how else do you get the robot in your high school? Are you, I think that the way that you do it um, is by having it be the voice over the loudspeaker, but it's like a kid that no one seems to have ever met. Oh, that's a good one, too. The other one is Java. Squeak, squeak, money, squeak, right? Squeak, squeak, money, squeak. I was like, what do I do with this that would be funny? What if I made Java a Muslim woman? And so, like, the the Jawa robes are the, I want to say burqa, but I think that's the wrong word. But, you know, the, the headdress you wear to honor Allah. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think turning Java into a Muslim brown woman is the funniest thing to do to Kyle's character. Because not to give everything away about our friend from high school, but his name is Kyle. And that tells you everything you know about who he was oh, in high school. Yeah. Yeah, so that's them in this AU. Which leads me to DC. Remember the DC campaign? I do. I remember the DC campaign. I remember those characters. DC campaign was the one I ran, and I love it. So 
We'll cover Jean and Batman when I get to the kind of the main characters of this. Okay, I want to be clear, because everyone listening just heard that and heard the word Batman. Oh, and we're yeah, like, sure. sorry, Batman is a character in your franchise? To be clear, our friend Noah, who will be on the podcast pretty soon to talk about Rick Riordan, hopefully, created a character whose name is Batman um, because he goes around and hits people with a baseball bat. So that you're aware that that's what's going on there. Yeah, Jean and Batman, we'll get to them in a bit but the big ones it follows are crypt 2 my crypt and that's a one. crypt keeper short for crypt keeper and this one you might have things to say about and his budding relationship with oz 2 yeah okay so just like a like a pretty normal putting our characters into a relationship with each other yeah a thing we've never done before a thing that we've never done before oh, this is so for us <laughs> So I'm, I'm gonna love listening to this one. I don't necessarily object to putting those two uh, together. I think that's pretty much fine. How I play it is the first time you meet Crypto is he's like being a big delinquent and smoking in the bathroom with Hell, Loki's daughter. We'll get to her in a bit. And then Guts shows up and she kind of lets Guts hang, and Crip is like, that's fuck, fuck it, I'm leaving, man. I'm gonna go smoke somewhere that isn't this bathroom. And then he gets detention, and in detention he runs into Preppy ABC, that stands for Asian baby girl, not American-born Chinese, even though I do love a wonton baby! I have no idea what's happening here, Devin. Yeah, yeah I kind of figured you wouldn't catch any of that. So hopefully, <sighs> he runs into Oz, the great and powerful, who's a very, you know, prep girl. And there's a fun scene where, like, you parallel them putting on their makeup in the morning, but Crip is doing a goth thing and she's doing a fun makeup thing where like you do the eyeliner, but on the underside of the line, because, you know, they're dating and stuff and it's cute. That's cute. That's cute. So the deal with Oz the Great and Powerful, it's, we had, we had actually two different DC campaigns. In the first campaign, we like played these super villains and we were redeemed by the end and then and took on a bunch of sidekicks and then then later we had another campaign where we all played the sidekicks but like we played sidekicks of other characters i didn't play like the sidekick of my original character i played the sidekick of 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 actually my my, my twin siblings character from from the first campaign um oz the great and powerful and the joke with oz the great and powerful with the first one is that oz had illusion powers but also um my sibling was not into the game at fucking all and so oz got nothing to do character wise and ended up just hanging out and um, like anytime there's a dramatic moment anytime there's a dramatic moment ellie would be like i do a little dance and that would be it that would be all, that, that was all Oz got. Um, so when we were all picking our new things, I was like, I want to do Oz. I want to, like, come up with a sidekick character to Oz who, like, takes the original concept of, like, an illusory character based on... Oh, do I, do I talk about how I, how I retroactively gave Oz a thing and a dynamic to your, your character's wife? Do you remember? You can if you like. Sure, we're, we're going full indulgent anyway. <laughs> so, Oz the Great and Powerful, I was like, well, if... Elliot has no fucking interest whatsoever. I can do whatever I want with this character. And what is someone who is constantly tracing the escapism of partying and illusions? Like, oh, they're heavy into drugs. They're they're going to Wonderland. They're chasing the rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so the emotional beat I had was the family confronts Oz. Part of the family being 
Crip's wife, Terabyte. And they're like, hey, you know, they go through the confrontation. They get him to go to therapy. He agrees. Like, he's like, I'm going to fight these demons. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I love you guys. And then you find out that Oz saying that is all an illusion. And he's really in the corner doing more drugs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. So, so at this point, we've talked a little bit. Or do you do you have more? Do you want to keep going I a little do bit? Want to finish. Do yeah, a little I, more. Go I for it. Keep talking about like their relationship and the things you find out because it's very. I play it like Breakfast Club, where there's more to these stereotypes than you think, and so like you go to Crip's home, and it's not that I make Crip one abusive in the way I originally thought I would, and like he takes his Asian girlfriend home, and then his dad's like, ah, you fucking word, I'm not allowed to say because I'm not part of that diaspora, and I was like, ah, I don't, you know. This is a happy AU. It's not that his dad is abusive. It's that his dad is a fucking World War II vet boomer who is not emotionally available because he thinks being a provider as a father is just being a wallet. And, like, you go to Oz's house, and it's, like, Kenny's house from South Park. And the reason she's, like, a prep hot girl, Asian baby girl, is because she wants she's projecting what she would like to be. And she's ashamed of this place that she comes from. And I retrofit that Oz, one, the great and powerful, the one who's addicted to drugs, is kind of her mom, but we don't super talk about it. And then I do the thing where, like, their prom night is crypt to being like, I, I need to be able to pay for her to have this night. She deserves it. She deserves the storybook thing and getting to be what she wishes she was every day. And I can't because I'm fucking poor. But then his dad's like, here's his dad as played by Gran Torino... Clint Eastwood, his dad is played by Clint Eastwood, hands him the money, and it's the thing from A Christmas Story where the dad was paying attention the whole time. He doesn't know how to express it, but he can get you the thing, and it's a sweet moment. They get to have a fun night at prom. And then the last one are the main characters of this. (laughs) So I'm glad you let me keep going. I promise we'll make an OC. I, I believe you. But it is Hell and Guts who are just another love story I made in our Genesea 2 campaign. And so, before I get into it, I would like to talk about Dear Evan Hansen real quick, because... (laughs) Okay! (laughs) I didn't see that one coming! I'm a fan of the musical. I like it. I didn't know that musical existed until way after high school. So I had had this AU in my brain for quite some time before then. I didn't even know the visuals of Dear Evan Hansen, but they are Evan has a cast, and a blue polo. And I was like, I don't really know how to translate my Death Knight into a contemporary setting. What if he has a cast? And he's like a straight-laced dude, so he's in a polo. And then fucking Dear Evan Hansen happened, and now I can't talk about it without people thinking I ripped off fucking Dear Evan Hansen. So I just want to throw that out there, because that's how Guts looks in this setting. He had a full-ride baseball scholarship, and then something happened to his arm, and it's broken. Now he doesn't. He's very lost in his last year, because he doesn't know what to do with his life, and that's why he's in the the delinquent smoking high school bathroom, and that's why he meets Hell, right? And so their relationship is a redux, essentially, of how it works out in the backstory I wrote for that campaign that doesn't feature too heavily into the campaign. You know, she questions his worldview and they just like talking to each other and it's a fun time and she was kind of dating crypt too at the beginning but she's not anymore and it's like weren't you and guts is you know is very straight laced kind of boring dude and it's like weren't you guys a thing and she's like nah you just don't name it anything it won't be anything so what are we i don't question it man you're being fucking weird and so you know they appreciate each other come to grow find someone they can be vulnerable around and then eventually hell takes guts home and she gets to meet her dads <gasps> And <laughs> I meet Seraphim, 
and he's in a big pink apron that God says kiss the wife. Naturally. Ugh. And Seraphim is like, he's so excited. He's like, oh, I liked that other boy fine enough, but he was so drab and macabre. Not that you don't pull it off, sweetie. I absolutely love it when you do it, but opposites attract. Who's this new boy? And Loki's like, stop it. You are going to scare him. You don't have to stay for dinner. Loki, I slaved over this dinner. You didn't slave over this dinner. You ordered it out. My thumbs are so tired from ordering, Loki. <laughs> fucking, okay. Seraphim being, so, oh God, Seraphim and Loki. Do we, Seraphim and Loki <laughs> kind of being an iconic pair of characters um, from the original D&D group. Seraphim was Devin's first D&D character in the group that we played together. Loki was my D&D character in the D&D campaign that we first played together. And they had this relationship between the two of them because, uh, and it was, it was kind of gay. And Seraphim was like the, the flamboyant bard who was on top of the world and wanted to do everything and bring the world under his heel and, and move mountains. And Loki was the like unfeeling sociopathic manipulating figure behind the scenes who is sticking to Seraphim in order to try to be like the true power behind the throne or whatever. And that's, 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 that's Seraphim that's and Seraphim Loki. Loki, baby. And so, you know, she, she gets to meet the dads and then she's like, let's, let's go to my room for, so we can be away from my dads who are too goddamn much. And then you meet Luke, her brother. And he's like, let me have the old, their brother talk it'll be fine and this is where you get the first hint of something being wary about hell and it ends with luke being like hey my sister means the world to me she's a very special girl and if you do anything to hurt her that left arm's gonna match the right because his left arm's broken and guts like ah oh, you know and so then they go to the room and they talk and you find out like so you have two dads and he's like oh are you homophobic you dick no i just it seems different you find out that like it was a thing where loki was gonna lose custody of his kids because he had a messy divorce because they tend to side with moms in court but then his best buddy in the world seraphim was like what if we pretend to be married and loki was like i don't think that'll work and seraphim's like i'm a fantastic actor let's give it a try and then it kind of stopped being an act once loki met once seraphim met the kids because he fell in love with them and there's a joke where she's like, yeah, it's kind of hard for Seraphim to stay at home because he's like, he fucks all the time. But now they get together well enough. And now I have two dads and it's pretty cool. And you find out. All of this is very cute. I kind of feel like I lost the thread between like, wasn't this a high school AU at some yeah, point? Yeah, this is mostly in the back. Like, this is just how I figure the, the literal plot of like the Seraphim Loki stuff happening in the back. It's like you don't spend episodes with that. She just talks about it to him when they're in her room. And then you find out the thing with hell is that she has terminal disease. Oh, oh no, terminal, terminal disease. disease. That's horrible. It's terminal and bad. And so like their coalesce at prom is like the terminal disease has a flare up. Oh no. And so then Guts runs to the hospital and they're like, only family can be here. And Luke has finally warmed up enough. And he's like, that's our cousin. He is family. And he kind of like winks at him and guts gets to go in and hell has suffering from terminal disease and she's like oh i'm sorry but this isn't how you wanted to spend prom and guts is like i get to spend it with the girl i love i can't imagine a better prom and he makes the room look like a prom and they do a little slow dance next to her in the bed as the things coalesce against the prom night and that's uh that's too cute stop it <laughs> that's too cute stop it cut it out <laughs> i refuse it shouldn't be that so cute that more or less how i play my high school 
AU. You'll notice Gorbazolander isn't there. I feel like that's a place you'd want to go. Sometimes I fart around and have Gorbazolander be like Guts's pet bearded dragon. Because that's funny. I was going to ask about what OC even means in this context, since these are all our OCs from from high school. Uh, so Gravazolinder, for context, is from that Pathfinder sequel. Um, uh, he was the character that I played during this that campaign, and he was a kobold with like a whole inferiority, superiority complex thing about being a kobold, which is like like the tiniest, weakest creature in the entire fucking world, but like indebted to like dragons you know like having a relationship with dragons you know what i mean that's grub that's his name was grub right so uh yeah i don't know what the fuck do i have to say about about grub you are you're right that it would be a fun direction to go yeah i i guess i i still do sort of want to ask about what exactly it means to make an oc in this context you know i imagined it means how you would translate that character into a high school drama because i would like it in my brain if we could get our other friends who played in those campaigns to guest host and then they get to do an episode like this with us that'd be fun so i think like if we want to make it a character having it be a bearded dragon cute funny i get it absolutely but also uh i think it doesn't leave a lot of room necessarily for like being an actual character but i think it's it's pretty easy to turn grub into um just like a very bullied kid or i don't know a a kid from the wrong side of the tracks a kid from i don't know what do i mean what do so i amber that's great but how would yeah. you feel about this episode maybe being a two-parter because my phone is dying Okay, and like we just cut it off here and 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 we come back later Maybe or we hold off and come back to recording this episode because my phone's Dying that's that's fine. We can we can put a pause here and we can come back later All right. See see you soon audience Okay, uh break time I guess